the majesty and glory of your name. That's what we encounter as we encounter this text of Scripture from the Gospel of Matthew, the 17th chapter, about the transfiguration of Jesus. I invite you to listen for God's Word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John, and he led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Now suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I'll make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them. And from the, vo- from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Well, when the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we gather again this morning, we do so. Grateful for the warmth and the light that comes to us in this, your sanctuary. We ask now that you would speak to us as only a living God can. Open our ears that we may hear your word for us this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Every once in a while, life can be very eloquent. So writes... Frederick Beekner, a Presbyterian minister and author. You go along from day to day, not noticing very much, not seeing or hearing very much, and then all of a sudden, when you least expect it, very often something speaks to you with such power that it catches you off guard. It makes you listen, whether you want to or not. Something speaks to you out of your own life with such directness that It is as if it calls you by name and forces you to look where you have not had the heart to look before. To hear something that maybe for years you've not had the wit or the courage to hear. I was on my way home from a short trip I took not long ago when such a thing happened to me. Three times such things, actually three images out of my journey that haunt me still with what seems a truth that is important to tell. Beekner writes about a day traveling home through New York City on a train through Times Square where he describes seeing a cigarette ad, the degradation that used to exist in the old Times Square with the porn industry present and finally arriving home to his family who were waiting for him to enjoy dinner together 
where there was warmth and love and life. It was a moment of clarity in a cloud of unknowing. So when have you experienced a moment like that in your own life? A moment where things just became clearer and more alive so that you might even be able to remember it now as if it happened yesterday. I can remember a moment like that many years ago when our children were young. We were living in San Diego and all the local neighborhood ballet dancing courses which our two daughters were involved, gathered together at Balboa Park for a big tap dance recital. And I remember watching them on the stage, sitting with my wife and our son, who was an infant, and watching our children tap dance, and everything just seemed so alive. And for a moment, I thought of the blessedness of love and families and the close intimacy I felt with my wife in that moment. Everything just was alive with warmth, with love. Beekner writes, But every once in a while in the world and every once in a while in ourselves, there is something else. There are places and times, inner ones and outer ones, where something like peace happens. Love happens. Light happens. As it happened for me that night I got home. And when they happen, we should hold on to them for dear life because, of course, they are dear life. They are glimpses and whispers from afar that peace, light, love are where life ultimately comes from. And that deeper down than madness and lostness, they are what is at the heart of life. And by faith we know this. And I think only by faith, because there is no other way to know it. End quote. Now, moments of clarity like that come infrequently. Great moments come only once in a while in life. And we need them. We all need them. Mountaintop experiences, like making a team or receiving a letter of acceptance from your college of choice or graduation day or the day you became engaged or the birth of a child, such moments give deep meaning to life. Some moments need to only happen once and they change everything. Columbus only had to sail across the Atlantic once to open up a new world. Charles Lindbergh only had to fly across the ocean once and everything changed. And the first time astronaut Neil Armstrong stepped onto the surface of the moon, space exploration was different. Such moments do come in different ways when somehow the future is made present and reality floods in to our experience. Really, who could stand much more than a moment of that kind of reality? But we don't need much more than a moment to change us. Peter, James, and John describe that kind of a moment, the indescribable, transforming moment in their lives when Jesus was transfigured right in front of them. 
The text tells the story of a joyful mountaintop experience for these disciples where the sacred became mysteriously real and tangible. And for a brief moment, they saw things clearly. The distance between heaven and earth became remarkably thin. Now, however, the bumbling disciples didn't know what to say or do. So Peter starts spouting off something about building tabernacles until he's silenced from a voice from heaven. It's as if God said, Dude, chill. You don't talk to me, I talk to you. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. The disciples are forced to see their Lord in a whole new light revealed in this cloud of unknowing. The story reveals what later Paul would write about, that Jesus is the ultimate revelation and representation of God. He's the image of the invisible God. Jesus discloses God with a human face. Listen to him, says the voice from heaven. Somehow they sense that the glory of God Almighty was hidden and yet radiating from and around Jesus. It scared them so much they didn't know what to say. But that didn't stop Peter from saying something. Like so many preachers, he went on talking long after he had anything to say. Peter blurts out, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three booths, one for Moses, one for you, one for Elijah. Mark's gospel actually kind of covers the terrain for him, provides a little excuse. He says he didn't know what he was talking about. He was so terrified. And I can sympathize with Peter because I've said a lot of dumb things over the years. I've said things that I wanted to come out one way, but it just kind of came out a different way. So I agree with the expression, blessed are they who, when they don't know what to say, don't say it. But once in their lives, these three men saw the glory of God in and around Jesus. And in a flash, they knew what this meant for the world. They suddenly knew that God is not in heaven somewhere away from here when everything's not right in the world. They knew that God was loose in the world where all hell has broken loose. And they trembled trying to get a hold of the idea of what that meant. And the insight lasted only for a moment. It was a glimpse into the future, but a future that had not yet come. They had to go back down the mountain to the valley where there were sick people to heal and where there were disputes among the followers. There were lots of things to settle and lots of work to do. Peter wanted to fix for a moment in concrete what he couldn't. And neither can we. That's the thing about glimpses. They come and they go. But God once in a while seems to pull back the curtain between today and eternity. 
but only for a peek. And when you catch a glimpse like that on some mountaintop or on a train in New York or maybe in a pew on Sunday in worship, cherish it. Don't try to capture it. Don't try to commemorate it. It comes as a gift, a glimpse, a fleeting, blessed gift of revelation. Don't forget those moments, but don't freeze them either. I sometimes think that life is it's like coming to church on a Sunday morning and you get surprised by what you encounter there and it lifts you and it inspires you one moment. And then you run like those boys out the door, go, go to your car in the parking lot and you find the battery's dead. It's just that life in the valley never seems to go away. Still, I, I can go back to work on Monday just a little different. Because for one shining moment, I've seen something. And the curtain between the present and the future gets pulled back. And we know the future as if it's now. This voice from heaven says, this is my son, my beloved. Listen to him. I think I sometimes see what shook up the disciples in this moment. Fear of the Lord. It's one way of saying that suddenly I see that there's a moral universe that simply will not tolerate some things because God is in the world. A society that puts its glory ahead of its goodness begins to unravel because God is in the world. A church that simply affirms the values of the culture in which it lives is on the way to oblivion because God is in the world. A life that loses confidence in the highest ideals will destroy itself by its lowest level because God is in the world. It's not because God is mean or vindictive, but because God is just too good to let people do anything they think they want to do. So this is my son. Listen to him. And I wonder, will I listen to him when life closes in and I go into some dark moment of eclipse and everything shouts despair? Will I listen then for the voice of the one who was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief? Or will I listen to him when I feel on top of everything? When life is going great, when I have things under control, will I listen to him then? And that just seems to be the question that's hanging in the air this morning. This is my son. You've caught a glimpse of his glory. Now will you listen to him? Every once in a while, life can be very eloquent. Thanks be to God. Amen.